So hey guys, uh, welcome to the newest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. And today I have an amazing guest. I have the big man with me uh, on the show. <laughs> uh, he is currently the VP of Growth at Jamber. So if you guys don't know Jamber, it's it's a mug which is uh, which is made for the hands. And uh, I, if you guys seeing the video, that he's it's the one he's holding up in his hands. Uh, he's also a core member of uh, Underscore VC, which is an early stage venture capital firm in NYC. And he's advisor to multiple startups. Uh, in the past, he's been the director of engagement and analytics at growthhackers.com. And the introduction doesn't stop here. In addition to this, Sanuj just uh, recently launched a book uh, called Growth Hacking for Dummies. So, hey, Anuj, uh, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's awesome to be here, man. Yeah, great. So, so Anuj, is there anything I missed out on your introduction or is there anything you want to add? Um, well, I, I think that maybe the, the thing you did miss out was that like maybe a lot of people who might land up listening to this podcast, I had no background in anything growth five years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think if anything, that should be a point of hope for people who themselves you know, have never been in the field or don't know where to start, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I think you started uh, as a software engineer and then you uh, transitioned into growth. So how, how was your journey in that way? And you know, how, uh, like, how do you transition into SaaS uh, particularly? Yeah. So I'll take it even one step before that. Um, in that my education is actually in science. Right? So I have two master's degrees in biochemistry and in chemistry and you would think that is a really weird uh, sort of transition to be making from something like that all the way you know to SAS but uh, this was an insight that Sean Ellis actually had uh, when we were first talking about me joining the team was that anybody with a science background is might actually be better positioned for uh, such a role because the what is the one thing you do in science you experiment a lot yeah uh, and you know my first experiment doc at growth hackers was the same one we used or you and i or everybody listening to this will have used in school right you know which is the mm-hmm. same doc that had the aim and the hypothesis uh, the materials the method your observations and your results and your conclusions and next steps uh, so the process is exactly the same. It's just the context within which it's applied is slightly different. Right. Uh, right. And so uh, in many ways, you know, all of us know the basic growth hacking process. It's just, right. we might have forgotten it or it might have gotten buried under all of the jargon that now exists around the topic. Great. Uh, that, that's an interesting insight. Uh, so. Let's talk about the growth, which is like, which is happening today, right? Because I know the world, as I said in the beginning, like the, it's, it's uncertain times for a lot of startups. So how, how is, how do you think like growth is uh, like, you know, functioning, like growth teams are functioning this, these uncertain times, because even uh, like the teams, which are not growth teams, like, you know, different teams are uh, for different teams, like, you know, agility is the key. Like they have to move fast. They have to change everything fast because when you started 2020, your strategy was different two months into the year and like everything has to change. Like whatever you have planned for the H1, you have to change everything. And 
I think speed is the thing here. And then you have to try new things out, see what works and then move on. That is applicable to non-growth teams as well. So how do you think like, you know, the growth team, which is there, which is, you know, managing in uh, these uncertain times? Yeah. So I I think, you know, a a lot of, so if you think about when growth teams actually get instituted within companies, it's when the company has moved past product market fit, right? Uh, And uh, so many people who, become part of growth teams have never gone through that process of understanding how did this product even become a must have in the first place. Right. Right. And I I think this is, it's almost like growth teams need to put themselves in the shoes of, you know, if I were a founder, what would I have to do Mm -hmm. to validate that my product is truly a must have? Right? Because that's the condition that exists today is people are making very clear cut decisions based on value and only the true must haves are surviving the cut. Right. Right. And so the process I think stays exactly the same of, you know, if you were to validate the product, right. Just from scratch, what would you, right. You'd, you'd go and validate it. What is the true nature of the problem? Right. You'd go and uh, validate you now is the way we are delivering or thinking of delivering the solution the right way to address the problem as it exists today. Right. Right. And then, uh, you know, constantly iterate with your customers to ensure that not, you know, not only are you delivering value, you're delivering it as quickly as possible uh, to right. your customers. Right. right. So I, I think it's almost like a rediscovery of that cycle, but right. to the point you are making, like the situation is so fluid, like one week, you know, CPMs will be down in one week, they'll be up and there's just flux. So what that is telling us is that this cycle of constantly understanding the nature of what makes you a must have Mm -hmm. also needs to be accelerated. So the the amount of qualitative sort of feedback you need to be getting, Mm -hmm. the, the frequency of that, if that was normally for you, you know, I talk to my customers every two weeks or every four weeks or, you know, or every quarter, whatever that frequency was, you need to like really compress that frequency down and make it a weekly thing. Because not only are you trying to understand, hey, do my current customers still want me the way I am today? Mm-hmm. But you're also trying to understand all the people who could become my customers. How do they want me or my product in right today's uh, scenario right. right so it's a it's so it's as much a retention problem as it is an acquisition problem totally totally so i think uh, that that one thing is because of you know the customer behavior is also changing right and uh, and a change uh, is there in like you know all the segments uh, and again it would be there in all the stages of the uh, like you know funnel as well so uh, like you know when you're when you're acquiring customers in this you know in this constantly changing behavior because uh, like you know one week before it might be different one week after this week can be different so how do you uh, try to sell your product uh, or your service without being very intrusive right uh, because how or, or maybe how do you make your product very essential uh, to your customers like uh, put it uh, position it in a way that they find your product essential Totally. And, and I think you've hit the nail on the head, right? Is that uh, the only things that are considered intrusive are things that by definition are non-essential to you, right? So 
what that means is sort of trying to step back and get a really macro sense of no matter what kind of product you offer today, like what, what is not changing or what is going to remain constant, right? One is what we just discussed, right? People have stopped thinking about things that are wants or nice to haves right. and are focusing exclusively on need and must have. Essentials, yeah. Right. So I think that is step number one is to figure out how do you become a must have in this particular scenario, right? What can you right. emphasize about your product's use case in the context of a specific customer segment that is more of a must have? Right. So that's one. Uh, the second, as a function of people only wanting things they need, people are way more price conscious than they've ever been. Right. So, you know, while otherwise it might be okay with, okay, I'll spend $5 more here or $10 more there. That's all gone. Uh, and generally, again, price consciousness only exists when people do not truly appreciate the value to them. Right. Right. And mm -hmm. so you've got to, and, you know, keep in mind the broader context, you know, also of things like it's not only just about the, companies you might be selling to, but there are ultimately people, right? And people right. themselves have either been furloughed, they've lost their jobs, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. So it may not be a situation where you need to extract money right now if you are in that sort of a position. It may be one of those buy now, pay later sort of scenarios. Mm -hmm. Or it may be a function of you getting an even better understanding of what is this new universe I operate within? Like I know that right. in normal circumstances, for example, my customer may be A, B, and C, but in right. this new scenario, uh, my customer could also include D, E, and F. Right. Right. And because that is the lens through which your potential customer is looking at you and sort of comparing you, you know, in, in a universe, not in a vacuum. Right. So I think you've got to sort of re-establish what is your comparative value in this new universe and can you find a way to bring yourself to the top of that value so that this entire question of price isn't as big of a consideration because you know by definition you are more of a must-have than everybody else right totally yeah. right. Uh, and I, th I think the third uh, sort of thing right is uh, people have sort of gone into this almost sort of hounding mindset right or hoarding mindset uh, and this is, I think, no more apparent than, at least in the US, right? There are all these toilet paper shortages and people are stocking up on water and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Right? And mm -hmm. I think that is just a, uh, a sort of, you know, an example of, you know, the way people are thinking, right? Is like buying right? kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so is there a way to sort of position yourself, you know, similarly that, hey, you know, that not only are we a must-have that if you don't use us now you will not be better prepared for what's coming down the line for you right Which, again it requires a much better understanding of your customer's mindset which i think goes back to that point i was talking about you the frequency with which you start to get feedback from your market that cycle needs to accelerate dramatically right
I think that that will only happen when people see value in uh, what you're saying, or maybe your existing customers, right? So which is which will be like you know value delivery to the customer or kind of value based selling. So how do you figure out you know what value your product delivers? Obviously, one good way is you know to to ask your customers that how they see your product or what benefits they get. But uh, what are some uh, maybe what are some of the other ways uh, that you can do that or uh, or what are the some of, some of the questions that you can ask your customers like you know uh, in terms of figuring out the value part? Yeah. So my favorite question to ask customers is why are you using us? And especially in a time like this, when you already have limitations on your own buying capabilities, purchasing capabilities, right. you know, all of that. Why are you continuing to use us? Like, mm-hmm. Because if you can understand more about that, you can use that information to attract more people who have those same sort of either problems or think about your solution in a particular way. Right. right. And so... I think this goes back to the importance of understanding the language people use right. to understand you know, how they articulate the value of your product. Uh, and by asking, you know, why do you keep using us? I think it's inevitable you will find use cases that you never thought of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I like to do is once people tell me why, I like to dig a little deeper and ask the sort of so what question. Right. Uh, because a lot of the times the why you know, can land up being superficial, right? Or it may point to an immediate uh, benefit versus the true benefit that it's really giving them, right? So for example, you know, they might say something like, oh, I'm using it because it, it makes uh, tasks, whatever, 20 minutes quicker than it would otherwise which is great as an immediate benefit but the down the line benefit might be you know i have the peace of mind that these tasks are taken care of right Uh, yeah right and i think it's important to get to that core because what should ultimately happen is this true core benefit is what should roll up to what you measure as your north star metric because right. your North Star metric really should be a reflection of the true value you provide to your customers. Right? Totally. And, and, if you're, and if they're saying something new that isn't gelling with the way you're measuring value delivered, then I think that's an opportunity for you to rejig uh, your hypothesis for what value you truly provide right? and double down now on this uh, you know, sort of new way you've discovered of ex- uh, explaining the value you deliver, which you can then use to attract more people who are already telling you in tough times, I find you a must have. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, totally. So I think the answers will definitely come from the customers in terms of how you determine the value of your product. And obviously the product owner can't really decide the value of the product. It's always the customers. Uh, so, and, and, you know, so I, I saw a lot of, a lot of companies, like a lot of SaaS companies specifically coming up with, uh, like, you know, new, new kind of, uh, new use cases as, as we just met, uh, talked about, right. So it can be as simple as, you know, adding, uh, like giving a part of the product, uh, as a freemium just to, you know, empathize with people so that they can use and they can solve their pain points, but also getting to use the product and which can essentially 
uh, like you know uh, if they build this premium product in uh, in this situation which can essentially become uh, like a you know sort of hook even after this situation ends because people start liking it and they could see like you know people use it for a month and they upgrade so they hit their aha moment uh, whatever that is right uh, the the normal prospects become uh, product qualified leads for them and and that's you know that's kind of help helping them convert from you know free users to paid uh, like you know paid users so do you think uh, like you know some things are there so in this situation like you are laying down laying out the foundation for something that can be you know part of your core product or core uh, business cycle even after this pandemic is over so do you think like some things are here for like you know these changes are here to stay even after the pandemic is over Uh, likely so you know i'm i'm glad you brought up this uh, example that you did uh, in fact you know there's a company here in boston called uh, remote hq uh, who as the name suggests since creates a remote working software so they're like really ideally positioned yeah uh, for this time but even what they did was they made a blanket statement you know what this is a tough time uh, we're just going to make our software free for 3 months for anybody who wants to use it yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, right which is they clearly going to give up a lot of revenue to do that uh, but what they are going to gain are i think two or three things which they would not be able to get otherwise uh, one is that you know they are going out of their way to express humanity right and this is a this is the time to do this right showing empathy right yeah. at a time when the entire world is struggling right is going to land up you know reaping dividends for you way down the line because everybody remembers who was there for you when you had tough totally. times yeah totally yeah right uh, and so this is not as much about selling or extracting value right now with the caveat yeah. being that you know you have some level of runway to allow you to do that yeah uh, right but if you can do it uh, and by allowing this just broad based expansive usage uh you are to your point allowing people to develop the habit for your product yeah because now yeah. there's no strings attached right and once if you allow for that you now also have the avenues open for learning from the quantitative data that you get but how are all of these people using it mm-hmm. and by opening it out to everybody you get many more insights on different segments and how they're using it you know that you may not have otherwise gotten right totally, so for yeah. example like zoom they've yeah. opened out their software to be free for all grade schools here yeah right no no limits on anything that is a use case they would not have been able to understand greater if they right. would have just allowed free use right totally yeah right, right? and the same thing with this remote hq thing right uh, and so your opportunity for learning for the future is just that much greater from the quantitative data and again because they're using and you're literally doing them a favor by allowing them to right. use it for free for this extended period of time they will be more than happy to talk to you about how they're using it uh, you know right. what value they're getting out of it so you have those many more opportunities to learn about uh, true value that all of these new segments that have opened themselves out are uh, you know getting out of this uh, and the third i think big benefit uh, this has is that given that everybody is looking for at some level you know a level of connection here right i mean 
like for example i'm doing these weekly or daily coffee calls with people when i get random people showing up no agenda but in some cases you have people very specific you know office hours hey i'm a vc i'm right. going to help you refine your pitch deck whatever the case may be what this is uh, the foundation for is a lot of community building right and you know you know they say in growth that there is no silver bullet yeah. uh, but i think sort of community building is the one thing that maybe comes close to being that silver bullet because at the end of the day your competitors can copy every feature every discount every offer that you right. can come up with right? right what they cannot copy is the level of passion people have for your offering and the level of loyalty that you develop for your offering totally yeah right and so yes there is the short term play you know by you know doing so these things but i think the greater advantage is the long term benefit and foundation you're building for right uh, down the line right so two two things uh, you know after this uh, i want to discuss so you know one is obviously uh, the habit creation thing that we talked about right so i think it's a great point uh, anush like most of the companies should really focus on you know that habit formation uh, like you know for for your for their service or the, for their product specifically now and once the habit is formed and even after this pandemic is over the people are get, you know getting hooked to the platform so they might up their high chances that they will upgrade so it's again what you said like you know don't sell now like build a relationship now and tell like three months or six months later when all these uh, things are over when you have hooked them to your platform and you know you have created sort of habit so uh, and and obviously second thing is uh, you talked in the last like you know short term gains versus uh, short term wins versus long term rewards so it it can be crucial as well right because the next step you're going to take is going to be you know laying the foundation again I, as i said uh, for something which is going to be in your product even after this thing is over and you have to be very careful about it as a company on what decisions or what steps you are taking so that you know it affects you it helps you get the short term wins as well for the 3 months 6 months during this pandemic and it also helps you uh, like you know for the long term like you know so all the users you got are there to stay uh, even after like you know uh, this whole thing is over so how do companies like be really careful about uh, you know yeah so and i think there's one more sort of point to be uh, made here is clearly there will be an audience despite all of this that will not be ready for you right, right? just because of their personal situation or whatever it may be right? yeah but just given the current scenario right because mm-hmm. people don't have a lot of flexibility to buy right by, what that means is there are a lot in window shopping mode right right or they're just browsing for you know when i have the budget or when i have the flexibility i'm going to keep this thing in mind for that time right, right. so th- this is the time to i think keep in mind those audiences as well is while you may not be able to extract value from them right now you can yeah. still engage them somehow right now so even if you're running ads right now yes there are ads for the people who may find immediate benefit but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't recognize that hey we realize that you may not be ready and if you're not ready yeah right uh, here's maybe a free resource for you to keep in mind or here's a different way for you to uh you know keep your skills up using our platform in some way like some uh, avenue for them to yeah. you know uh, you know keep or to have and yourself be top of mind for them yeah. at the right time so right. there might be especially if you're running a lot of top of funnel stuff 
you might be doing a lot of retargeting campaigns right now for right down, right. For down the line or you might be like prospecting to find you know who are these people who might be in browse mode versus i can still buy mode yeah right that's i i i think you have to be really uh, careful about you know extracting uh, or you know segmenting these people right because uh, people who would be serious they they could even you know upgrade to the pay plan even in this situation totally. right if they want to buy but yeah. that does not if people are using for free that does not mean you can't expect value from them you can obviously you know connect with them to see how they are using the product just as we discussed uh, early earlier that uh, yeah. talking to customers will give you new avenues to you know to use new avenues of use cases for the same product that which the product team wouldn't know like you know uh, because the situation has changed they are using my product differently right uh, and i think that can be true for a lot of uh, products i think of like airtable or notion so like you know they, they would have discussed about use cases for the hr team marketing team like you know totally. admin team sales team but now they are, they like you know health team like how is the health team using uh, like you know notion for example like where you can put all these docs together and you can share it with people easily or something like that so yeah this brings up a really interesting point as to how you can go about attracting new people even in this time right is just as there are these new use cases as right. you find all of these what you will find is in these adjacent use cases there are these other players that you were never aware of right yeah that's also true right and as you find these adjacent players who you weren't ever thinking of this is an ideal opportunity for you to start forming partnerships with these people because these players are themselves struggling to find new audiences right so this is a clear win win for both of you if you can find these adjacent partners as a function of these other use cases i just saw like i was browsing slack uh, apps on slack uh, market app marketplace and i just saw that there's a microsoft teams beta app as an app market on the slack marketplace so <laughs> i don't know how is that that going to pan out but uh, you know you just brought this thing up so i remembered uh, yeah the, like straight competitors yeah yeah no and i've been thinking about this ever since yet more since yesterday uh, because so there's this uh, you know sort of casual fast food chain called panera in the in the us uh, right and clearly a lot of their business use normally used to come from people eating in but that is obviously not happening right now right mm-hmm. so what they had started doing was okay you can still do take out okay mm-hmm. and then they double down on that and say okay coming to the store is too hard for you we'll do delivery and they were just mm-hmm. constantly looking for ways to keep their force employed right and so people started taking up you know taking them up on these offers like great why will i not get the food delivered you know right. to, to myself yes everything is going to cost a little bit more but that's fine uh, but the thing they started doing yesterday was they were like look if you're stepping out or if you're getting stuff delivered from us why don't you also let us take care of your groceries right so as so since yes so from yesterday in their app not only can you order food from their menu they've got a list of sort of these high volume groceries items that people step out for or have delivered anyway and you know they have their people employed to go run around and get these things uh, right and it's clearly a more convenient thing for the people placing the order because now it's multiple things in one place right. uh, it's really great for panera because now their people can stay employed for longer uh, yeah. as well right and i had never put together in my mind that this could be a use case that panera would deliver groceries right. know, for me 
right but they mm. are also using you know their power of purchasing to buy these groceries and not have them be overly expensive just because they are now providing them so yeah yeah right? some, so, so there's an online and offline sort of application to this whole partnership model in this time which you know i think a lot of people mm-hmm. should be leaning into yeah i think which works out for them as well uh in terms of you know building getting new customers now and you know uh, keeping them on after this thing is over that really so i think yeah, we have reached reached the course uh, of the show i have a few lightning uh, questions or you know rapid fire questions three <laughs> uh so yeah anuj uh, just answer whatever uh, comes on topic for mind so what's your uh, like since people have a lot of time now what's your favorite book that you would recommend to the listeners apart from yours and Sean Ellis. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I'll tell you the book that changed my life. Uh, it was yeah. uh, one that's called "Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman." Uh, it's yeah. written mm-hmm. by Dr. Richard Feynman. It's a it's an old oh, book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Richard Feynman was, you know, uh, an uh, atomic uh, f- physicist. Yeah. He worked on the atom bomb. Right. Uh, and uh, it's about his life story. Uh, but mm-hmm. the central message of that life story uh, was: try anything once. What do you have to lose? yeah <laughs> which nice. ironically turns out to be a book about growth hacking in yeah, many ways totally. because yeah, that's exactly that. <laughs> yeah crazy so yeah so uh, next uh, so what keeps you going like what's the constant motivation for you i i think i'm motivated by trying to find more things i really like doing okay fine. Uh, which again mm-hmm. is just all about experimenting because every day i find more and more things i don't like Uh, but this the, that hunt uh, for finding things that will bring me more joy in my life uh, is is really interesting and that i could be anything from you know doing shows like this it's clearly a lot of fun uh, yeah. it could be working at certain kinds of companies uh, it's uh, you know anything but it's it's more i'm a process guy at heart uh, so mm-hmm. it's more about the process of trying to find things that bring more joy to me uh and which then allows me to almost you know in a way blur my work and my personal life in in any ways because it's just you know life becomes one big experiment uh, in, in in a way and and i think that's that's pretty that's i think it's it's its own sustainable positive feedback loop that keeps me going awesome awesome i think i share the same uh, kind of uh feeling yeah in terms of you know trying out new things and uh yeah so uh and the last one like you know if you if the current you could call uh, the 25 year old you what would you say oh boy um i i think i would say be more open minded right i think one thing that i think we all tend to lose a lot of as we get older and this is very subconscious mm-hmm. is we get very caught up in you know what makes complete sense and you know situations we can exploit okay? and you know so we develop a very transactional mindset mm-hmm. uh, you know versus if you think about the way kids think like k- kids are very much about exploring right you know and they're not really about does this make sense or not it's about yeah. sort of enjoying the moment right this is why you know kids put things in their mouths all the time is because they just yeah. try to experience life yeah uh, and uh, I, and i think that 
you know ability to preserve that uh, exploratory mindset i think would have served me a lot better uh, than you know the, those years i lost you know having very fixed ideas and notions about certain things right. you know thinking of course like every 25 year old does that you know everything there is to know and uh, you know uh, and because i i think that would have opened myself out on a personal and professional level to a lot a lot more uh, you know joy in life uh, than then you know whatever time i lost out on so i think you know uh, retain the child likeness and the kids mindset as much as possible yeah, that's that's super interesting uh, anuja so i think yeah thanks thanks a lot for uh, you know joining in anuja and giving your uh, time and coming on the show i mean great insights from you and uh, things going to be like people are going to love it excellent excellent no this was a lot of fun man great uh yeah so thanks a lot guys for tuning in and uh, like you know stay safe and uh, we are all in this together cheers cheers